This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, self-development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, Blue Fish. Okay, that's this genius. One has a little star. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. So we're going to start off with a bang um, from, our, from our first guest here, um, who's a very well-known uh, pers- TV personality and, all, and a writer and all kinds of things. And was recently in New Orleans. Was recently in New Orleans, as you'll see. Um, and we're going to talk about a range of things uh, on topics. So Chelsea Handler. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Chelsea. We'll put you over there. Um, I think that's the chair Obama said. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I had to chair? cancel a meeting with Chelsea uh, due to the president. She took it. As the best all time excuse. The best excuse. Um, so, anyway, so we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to show this video first. So, let's watch this video, one of the topics we're going to talk about. It's the most recent. That's the recent one. Happy birthday, though. It's for your pre-birthday, correct? It was. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay. Thank you for coming with clothes on. Um, But I want to know why you're doing this. You have, like, you've talked about it, but why don't you talk about what you're attempting to do besides look fantastic, by the way? I'm not trying to look fantastic. That's just a byproduct. (laughs) I... I, I, I'm so not, and I'm not also trying to sexualize myself in any way. I, the first t- naked photo I ever sent, which is so funny that I'm talking about this at a conference as if it's a serious topic, was of me on the horse. I was in Santiago, Chile, and my, my cousin and I were horseback riding with a group. And I, and I said, oh, let's do a topless photo where I can make fun of that Putin photo where he was riding topless. You right, know? right. And, um, and so I took it. And I had never um, aired a, like a topless photo of me on any of these social media outlets. So I, I took it, we put it up, you know, and I put it side by side because she knew the app. I mean, I'm a Luddite when it comes to anything sort mm-hmm. of anything involved with technology. And so she put it side by side with, you know, Putin on one horse and me on my horse. And, and we were laughing. I was with my brother, you know, editing my topless photos with my brother like any close family will do. And... <laughs> 
and, and then my cousin, you know, like three hours later through dinner was like, oh my God, your photo was removed because she was looking at the likes. And, right. and I said, remove? Why? And she goes, because you're topless. And I said, but he's topless. Like, right. Putin is topless. He shouldn't be topless. He's trying to run a nation. <laughs> right, right. I'm a comedian. What? Right. what because Why? I have nipples. Right, right, I mean, right. what? Because I, I because the they're bigger. You know, the meat around them is larger. Right. That that's. Well, that's questionable. But I go mean, ahead. that is not fair. That I and so if, and so then we started this whole conversation about you know what if I was a flat-chested woman. Is that okay to show your, you know, what if I show one nipple and not two nipples? You know, the idea that men can show, I'm not into showing anything below the waist. Obviously, that's a little bit more, you know, sketchy. But I think with, with that, the, that kind of argument that came up, I just thought that's such a silly thing to do. So then, and then not that long thereafter, Kim Kardashian showed a picture of her whole naked body and her bare ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, wait, why does she, she is a mother. I'm, n- <laughs> I'm not a mother. Right. Well, she's also an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur. Yeah, we're all entrepreneurs. Right, right. So she's an entrepreneur, and she's allowed to show her, I mean, ass. So and Putin she's and Kardashian they get the belong rights. together they belong. in Russia, deep in the heart of Russia. Okay, the whole, right, okay. The whole Kardashian family and Putin can right. go on a long trip together. All right, so but so what did you do about this? So she got to show us, so then you did her, her thing. So then I was like, well, that's nudity. If you're showing somebody's ass, that's nudity. So then I just kind of mocked her picture, and then they left that up. I'm sure there were so many kind of discussions, you know, inside the walls of Instagram that were so stupid, which also gives me a thrill that they have to sit there and talk about my ass, that they have to do that, you know, as right. professionals. So then, <laughs> then we just, and I had to get creative. So we were at Israel shooting stuff for um, a documentary kind of thing. I'm doing a docuseries I'm doing for Netflix. And I thought, oh, well, how can we get away with it? You know, I just wanted to be in more exotic locales. So now it's just a way to rib them and be like, now what are you going to do? You can't take this down because they put two little Israeli flag stickers up here. You can't be anti-Semitic, can you? So, huh. And then Twitter, and Twitter hasn't touched the last no, one at all. Twitter's my That's new best friend. Because I kind of went from Twitter to Instagram because Instagram, you know, is more, it's more user-friendly, I guess. And Twitter sounded, it seemed a little bit old. Uh, and then, uh, so I and so I went back to Twitter, and uh, they don't have a problem with nudity. They don't have any rules about that. Mm-hmm. So, and I've done different things with Instagram. I've shown one nipple. I've shown, and they don't really have a rule either. They just don't know. Because they don't Are you know talking what, to any of these platforms directly and saying, by the way, what, well, what's your issue with my boobs? Well, I talk to them in my Instagram boob? messages. I'm like, hey, idiots, let's look at this. Now, what are you going to do? <laughs> but my issue is also. You know, there are girls that are young girls. I'm an adult woman. There are young girls there that have their stuff, you know, photographs put on Instagram that they don't know, like girls from school steal naked photos or, you know, these pornographic. That's illegal. That is legal. And there was a girl on Instagram who had a naked photo. There was a magazine in The New Yorker a few months back that had a naked photo of herself that her school classmates put up there that was up there for like four weeks. Mm -hmm. Four weeks. And her parents were complaining and, you know, and they didn't take it down. But yet they're alerted to take down a woman who has your, I mean, that's my own free will. If I want to show naked pictures of myself and my followers are choosing to see that, you know, I'm supposed to be catering to them. I don't want somebody interfering with what I'm doing. So so did you talk to them at all? Did you ever speak to Sheryl Sandberg or No, I think I'll speak to Sheryl. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I, from what I can understand, doesn't speak. So I, <laughs> I think he only codes. So uh, no, I'm sure I will. We're doing, I've gone up to Silicon Valley. I spoke with Dick at Twitter for a while about it, and they just don't have a problem with it at all. Right. But there's a def, you know, if you're going to have rules, you need to follow them. You can't have rules for specific specific people and then break them for the Kardashians. So these things are not mutually exclusive, but how much of this is you 
trying to make a point and, and being angry or, or, or trying to, to point out hypocrisy and how much of you just trying to stay in the public eye, you're not on TV right now, this is something for people to talk about. My, my break from not being on television is a godsend for so many reasons. And it's not, I'm not there to seek attention. I'm not there, people are like, oh God, enough already with this girl. I, I have attention, I have plenty of attention. I was on TV for seven nights a week for f seven years. It was too much attention. I didn't, I wasn't excited to see me anymore, so I could only imagine how other people felt. <laughs> you know, this is a nice little break because I'm not, a, you know, I don't have to explain myself all the time. Um, so no, it's not about attention. It was more about being silly and making a point and then it got to be really wanting to make a point. Right, right. And so, you know, well, let's talk about television now. I also want to understand sort of this idea of celebrity in the digital age, how you look at it. We had Tyler, the creator, talking about wanting to come off of Twitter, come off of all these platforms, and then do what he wants, which is what you're talking about. Like, why do you feel subject to what their whimsical rules are? But you're doing a new show, correct, for mm -hmm. Netflix. Can yeah. you, why did you do that show? What do you, explain what you're doing for people. Well, right now, I mean, I just, I didn't want to do the subject matter I was dealing with on E. You know, it was a fun way to get started and, and kind of have a great time. It was like being in junior high school. It was like running around, people throwing food at each other all day and, and making jokes about celebrities that were silly and stupid. And, and then after a while, I just was like, this is, I mean, I'm so much smarter than that show was. And I wanted to be doing a show that was smarter than I was. You did it for seven years. At what point did you get to that point where you were tired of it? Was that year About four? year two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you have a, such a familial vibe and you work <laughs> with all these people and they become your best friends and it, they become family. They're more than best friends because family you can't get rid of and that's how I felt about these people. So I get deciding that you don't want to do that, that show anymore. No. But why go to Netflix? Why not stay on TV? Why not go to a different network? Why not stay at E and do a different kind of show? You had a million offers. Because I, I felt like it was really important and I do feel like it's really important to have, a, to be creating your own, you know, your own forced to be creating your own job. I didn't want to go fill in at somebody else's shoes that had done a job for 10 years. I didn't want to go to one of the late shows and be like, okay, now you're going to plug me in here and tell me what to do. I want to create my surroundings. And, you know, and that's what we're doing all the time right now is figuring out what that next step is for me. I don't want to be on sh TV five nights a week. It's too much. It's oversaturation, you know, especially if I have to keep sending out photos like this. So I, I want to do something, you know, that's more mindful. I love learning about stuff I don't know about and not and I don't have a problem admitting that I don't know this stuff. So many times you're around people who pretend that they know things that they don't. And I find that to be like one of the most unattractive things in a person. So, so when you're thinking about creating now, explain this show first. And then when you think about being a creative force, how you do that now in Hollywood. Because you are so much subject, so many celebrity subjects are being plugged into things. Like mm -hmm. the, you don't get to pick, you get selected, you get rejected or selected or whatever. Um, talk about this show first and then how you look at the, ch is there a changing power dynamic going on? Well, there's a change. I mean, it's, it, you know, when I became a comedian, I, that was the greatest thing I ever did. It was stand up. I didn't want to do it. I was scared shitless. And you didn't, you did it later on in life, right? Well, you didn't start out no, as a comedian. No, I started doing it. Okay. Way to do your history before an interview. So I started, <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that. I started Fair doing enough. stand up when I was like 21 years old and it was horrifying. I mean, believe me, it's the scariest thing anybody could do is stand up there and you know, make fun, things happen, and people have to be on your side, you have to earn them. And then, you know, that got me into a door, I'm not answering it correctly in your order, right. but I'll get to what your question, it got me into a door where I could create my surroundings. I wasn't being cast in a sitcom where they're like, okay, we need a funny girl that's, you know, 27 years old or whatever, and she's got to be pretty, and, uh, you know, 
I, I, I auditioned for that stuff all the time, and I never got jobs like that. And then becoming a stand-up, people create a show around you. I got into positions where they're like, okay, we want to develop a sitcom about you and your family, about you and your life in L.A., or we want to develop a, a nightly show. You know, that was never a goal of mine. And once you get that, you realize you're the architect of your... You, you can decide. I hired and fired every single person that worked for me. You know, no, nothing went on the air that I didn't want to. I could be as serious or as silly as I wanted. And I don't ever want to ever not be in that situation again. Right. You're saying c controlling your... You keep saying controlling your surroundings. Yeah, because you, you're the epicenter of it, you know? You want... It's okay to share that to share that stage, to have people on. Like, nobody, everybody said, oh, you can't have comedians on with you. It's going to take away from you. It's like, no, no, that's going to, that's everybody's, it's going to be great. Everybody should be able to share a space with another person, especially comedians. And you'd find, I mean, it was very difficult in a surprising way because comedians are used to being on stage with a microphone and no one interrupting them. So when you put them around in a group and they have to learn to listen to other people, I thought that was funny. So... <laughs> We did a lot of that, and you know, and then, and and that was fun, and it's exactly what I spoke of. So now with Netflix, you know, Netflix is so exciting to me for a bevy of reasons, and, and the way that they conduct themselves, the way they get behind a project, mm -hmm. the way that they're, you know, involved, they're super involved in everything I do in the thought process, and just kind of having a thick tang together and bringing me the right people I need to be around to get to the show that I want to do. And we don't have a clear clear idea of what my talk show is going to be like in two, 2016, but I, I know what I don't want to do, and I know what I do want to do, so we're just trying to find a format that's going to speak and, and something for everybody. I don't want just my audience that was there at E. I want to grow up. When it, Netflix comes to you and says, here's some ideas, who, who's doing that? Are people who've made TV before? Yeah. traditionally they didn't have a background in that. No, it's like, you know, there are executives at E. You know, Ted is, Ted, I mean, sorry, executives at Netflix. Ted Sarandos is very involved. You know, I speak to him all the time. Yeah. And uh, Lisa Nisha Maruma, who's also very involved. I hope I said, I said her name right. Uh, and we're all constantly going back and forth. I have people who are working with me on these four docu-specials that kind of gave me a year of not working straight through. Mm -hmm. We wanted a year before I could, I, so I could just kind of see you know, do something a little bit different and not go straight from a nightly show into another So show. talk about the docu-specials, because we were going to get together in Silicon Valley and yeah. drive around in a car. They said I was going to drive you around in a car, apparently. Yeah, we're going to get together, so okay, don't good. think you're out of that. Uh, yeah. Okay, got it. Um, um, Silicon Valley is just, I think, is, is, is topical, A, because... I like that you called Silicon. I really like that. I know. I know. I t Reed Hastings, I interviewed for, for, for Netflix as part of the special. He's like, first of all, silicone are implants. It's silicone. And right. I'm like, well, I'm glad I knew that before right. I start interviewing everybody all over town. Right. right. Um, I think you should still say silicone. I am going to. I okay, keep, it keeps slipping out. Right. So, uh, we interviewed Dick Costello, Costello, that's another name. Like, we interviewed all these people around what goes on in the inner workings of Silicon Valley. What, what, who, what, how do you make an app? Who, who, get, who approves an app? Who, what are venture capitalists looking for? You know, all the stuff that I don't really know. Everything, every topic for any of these docu-specials, one's racism, globally racism, one's relationships, unconventional relationships all around the world, different relationships that work. There are things called thruples where people live together. And, and there's a thruple is a couple that has three people, and they all act as one unit. And those are my neighbors in the Castro, but go ahead. And um, yeah, they are in the Castro. Yeah. And, uh, and then one is on drugs and ayahuasca, and I'm going to do it on camera and get an MRI brain scan where I kind of to show people what you do if you take a Xanax and drink a glass of wine every night. What this that is your does brain on your, drugs. This is, yeah, yeah. So... 
this is your brain on drugs. So we just picked four things that I thought, okay, this is what I could get behind, you know. Um, and Silicon Valley is very interesting to me because now I'm on a ne I'm on Netflix and I, what is streaming? I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. And how are if we are streaming? How are they planning on doing a nightly talk show with me if they can't right. even air something that we taped the night before? So right. what are they talking? What do you think is going to happen there? That's one of the big questions. They'll fix it before my show. <laughs> do, do, the Netflix is famous for saying we've got a lot of data that helps inform our decisions about what we buy, what we don't buy. Have they talked to you about what their data says about what you should do? I'm sure it came up positive because, I mean, we did make the deal, but, you know, I went to Netflix, the, the office, just to look at their algorithms, like what pops up if you watch, you know, a, a, a show on a women's prison, you know, or, you know, Orange is the New Black, you know, all the things they recommend based on you watching that. And some of them are really funny. Right. You know, you could watch, um, you know, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and then they recommend that you watch the movie Chef. You're like, no, right. no, one's an animated movie, right. and one is a, an adult movie. What, what came up with you? What came up with my viewing? Yeah. Oh, you know, I, well, I do actually watch a ton of Netflix, so they have all their original series. I think Netflix is amazing that way. They get these great, like, BBC shows, and they bring them over mm -hmm. here, and it's always, there's always a new, there's a plethora of things to choose from. And, uh, you know, nothing that exciting, you know. It's not like I'm into porn or anything. I, I don't care. No, I know you don't care, but yeah, okay. I'm not. Um, but For those of you who do care. Right. So when you think about the sort of Hollywood power structure, you've been involved in various points. Has it changed because of the Netflixes, the Amazons coming in with uh, Transparent? There's, uh, you know, Google might get into shows someday. Like all these people making shows. And I, I think probably Amazon and Netflix have been the most aggressive. How does it feel like from a from a, someone who's a talent, someone who's talent. I think it, you know, I think for a lot of, you know, there's so many, I have tons of actors, friend, actor friends that are movie stars or television stars, and I think there's such a huge platform of areas to go, I mean, it's just more, there's more opportunity for everybody, you know, everybody wants to be in television now, which was something that, you know, wasn't the case right. 20 years ago. Right. Movie stars want to produce television, they want to be in television, movie directors want to be in television, and it's because, you know, Netflix, there are going to be a million places like Amazon or that are going to try and follow in Netflix's footsteps, and that's great, and it should be, the more the merrier. I think network TV is so limited, there are so many parameters, you know, I don't want somebody who has no sense of humor or personality or, you you know anything in common with me to tell me what he thinks I should be doing it every it should be a creative outlet and TV should be a creative outlet for what the creator wants to do and then you can base that on how many people are viewing that but there shouldn't be somebody at the top that's giving you notes on a sitcom that's never been in a similar you know a similar situation or is funny one thing that TV broadcast TV and cable are both good at is reaching a lot of people distributing your stuff do you feel like they're going to be able to to get you out to the people who need to see you? Do you think they'll be able to find you? Do you might you have a smaller audience once you move to the web? You know, everything is possible. I mean, just I think the cachet of being at Netflix for me personally was the only option. I was it was the only option. They're just they just get it. You go into a meeting and I'm like, this is what I want to do. They get who you are, and they're either into it or they're not. You know, I came back. I was in. I went on this vacation as soon as I ended my show on E. I had three months off, and I just. Like, I wasn't, I could have stayed away forever. I mean, I was so happy not to have to read a New York Post, 
you know, to do my job or to look at a star magazine and see Bruce Jenner's. I just don't want to ever have to see that again. I don't care. You're going to see that a lot. You know, I mean, I do see it all the time. I'm like, oh my God, it's him, her again. I don't know what it is anymore. And I don't care. I don't care about that. You know, and now I can say I don't care and people believe me. Right. Instead of me having to pretend I did care or pretend I, you know, I didn't care but I was doing this show, I don't care. And I can say that. I'm right. allowed to be honest about it. But I came home from a trip. I went around the world. I went to China. I went through, through Spain. I went, you know, to French Polynesia. I did all these amazing things and I came home and I was driving up Sunset Boulevard and just saw billboards of me for my, you know, my stand-up special. You got to be kidding me. And I thought, Oh my God. I mean, I've been famous for a long time, but I was like, I'm famous. <laughs> I'm like, this is so nice. Like Netflix, I had no idea they were doing this marketing plan. Right. You know, coming from a place where they had no money to market anything and just thought you should be gathering your own audience right. and sorry if people, like, there should be no reminder that your show is on. To get that kind of support, you know, is kind of all you need. You want somebody in there with you pushing you and saying, yeah, we've got this, we're proud of her, let's, you know, let's do something together. Do you together. see other celebrities moving? Because it's been slower, like, until the success of House of Cards, really nobody was moving over there, and they were making, you know, Time Warner called Netflix, what was or, it? Uh, Albanian Army. Albanian or if Army. they did, it was side projects, right? Yeah. Like, you had a real movie and maybe you do a web short or something. Right. I mean, Lisa Kudrow, I guess, was sort of early to a lot of stuff, but very few were. Like, what does it take to move those celebrities over more significantly? Well, I think it's just a natural progression at this point. I mean, it's just about breaking that mold that they had about being in you know, a movie delivery service. Or, I mean, it's they're breaking the mold for that, and everybody knows it now. You know, everybody, you know, with House of Cards, you know, look what happened with that show. It's a great show, and it's not like anything else on television. You know, HBO's a great network, but they're and they're changing their model because they have to catch up with that. So I think that's just natural. People are going to be want to be where the action is. You know, when I turn on my, I always go to Netflix first. I always, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I did, and I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, and. And there should be a healthy competition. It shouldn't be a monopoly. So I don't think there's any problem with Amazon or, you know, or all the other competitors that are finding their way around. There's no problem with having more in the mix. The more, the merrier. That's better quality television. You know, I think television was really, I don't watch network TV. I don't ever watch a sitcom and go, that was funny. It's not. You know, it's lame. It's all so lame. So when you think about, like, would you make just little shows just for Mo? Would you see other things? Would you be a Vine star? Could you see yourself doing all those things? Or just, you think about, and keep saying TV. Yeah, I mean, about I think it it's TV. all encompassing. Yeah, I think you kind of have to, you know, move around the platforms, and there's all these different, there's all these different things, and that's a digital space, too, something else that my team and I are working on. But, you know, you have to have a good, healthy digital space. And some people aren't interested in that. Some people, you know, I'm a writer, I'm a performer, I'm, you know, I can be an actor. I don't really want to be an actor. I don't think I'm a particularly good actor. I like commentary. I like comment, you know, commenting on social, on social, on, on anything that's happening around the world. I don't want to be confined to one area, you know, of entertainment. So, you know, for me, yeah, it's important to get my message across through blogging and being able, I don't want to write another book. I'd rather just come home from a trip and be like, this is my trip to Israel. You I know, I was going to ask you about books. You're a very successful author. But yeah, but I mean, I'm not that great at it. I'm just successful because, you know, people like, because I tell the truth. You know, imagine if I was telling the truth in my own, and I was completely in control of it. You know, I don't have any problem disclosing any of my personal information. Nobody's ever going to write a book about me because I'll write it first. Right. So, so what's what's on your mind, by the way? So you don't know what the show is going to be like. You you do know you don't want to talk about Kim Kardashian or Bruce Jenner. If it was today, what would you want to talk about? 
I like, a, I would like a healthy mix of everything that kind of goes on around the world, whether it's, you know, global and serious news, whether it's, you know, the, the stuff that we're dealing with in Syria, the stuff that we're dealing with with ISIS, mixed with interesting stuff that's happening on, you know, in our country, human interest stories, you know, so the, the kind of the well-roundedness of a 60 minutes, but, you know, faster, quicker, cooler. You know, I want common, like, I want correspondence going out in the field, getting information. You know, I want it, to, it can be funny, but it's got to be sharp and it's got to be edgy and it's got to have all the right people around it. So, you know, and I don't necessarily need it to be the same thing. You know, I think it could be three nights a week. You know, we're always having these conversations about it. We have a kind of, you know, one direction we're headed in and we're just trying to figure out how to fill that up in the most healthy way. So that like the, I mean, it sounds a little bit like the Daily Show. How do you look at a program like that? It's not. It's, I mean, it, it's a little probably like that. I'm sure some people will compare it to John the Daily Oliver Show. Show. Yeah, yeah. You know, it can be that, but I don't want it being me all the time doing that. You know, it shouldn't all be about me. There are so many talented people around me, and that I see all the time. And it's always good to infuse those shows with a lot of different energy and a lot of different space. You know, everybody's not going to like everybody, myself included. Everybody's not going to like me. So you don't, you don't want it to be, you know, I don't want it to be the Oprah show where it's just me talking, waxing poetic. That's not interesting to me. I like shows that move, that have pace, that you learn from. Mm -hmm. You know, like Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. I love that show. I love watching that. I don't even like sports, but I love those stories because there's such a human interest component in it. And I think that's the thing that I want to carry through. And, you know, if the show comes on and, and it's available three episodes that week, you don't have to watch all three. There's something for, I want there to be something for each different kind of person. Netflix is also famous for not disclosing how many people are watching their shows or giving any data. Are you going to want to know how many people are watching your show and, and, and figuring out how to gauge whether you're being successful or not? You know, I think you're successful based on, I mean, I don't know if that's, that information is important. You think you want to know, but I think as you know, I think you have to really be careful about all the information you know about yourself. It's like going online and reading about yourself. I mean, that's not really that constructive mm -hmm. for anybody. And once you get out of that headspace, you can stay out of that headspace. Like my sister emailed me an article the other day about myself. And I wrote her back, I go, don't ever email me articles about myself. I don't want to read them. And she's like, all right, all right, sorry. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, was it good? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like was it good or bad? But you really do have to get it. I mean, if you want to have a healthy ad, like, mm -hmm. attitude and you're a full person, you know, I love to read, I love to travel, I love to do all these things. I can't sit there on Instagram or Twitter reading comments about myself. So it's what kind of feedback do you want, though, when you're producing the show? I mean, the feedback I care about most is the people that are in my life and the people at Netflix. You know, I take their notes. I'm working. It's such a different relationship than I had at E! already before anything's even aired. We're constantly communicating. We're constantly emailing. We're constantly in meetings. They're bringing in for pe people for me to meet. I'm suggesting people I want to work with. You know, my manager's heavily involved. Everybody's, it's, it's, at E! I did what I want and I didn't listen to anybody because I wasn't interested in what they had to say because I didn't respect their opinions. So it's nice to be involved in a, in a show where I do respect their opinions. I respect Netflix. So it's like going out with a guy that you're proud to be seen with. Okay, one more question. <laughs> you gonna get married? Am I going to get married? No, I'm teasing. No. Oh, married? No. Netflix. No. I'll let you know if I do. Um, what do you, last question, what do you consume? I mean, you say you don't look at Twitter, you don't see your comments, you are active on Twitter, but you don't look at it. What, what are the things that you, when you've been in Silicon Valley doing the show, what do, what do you like about it and don't like about it? About what? Like public the technology. Like, a lot of this stuff that's incoming. This is all about incoming. 
towards you. I mean, you know, I'm a little old-fashioned. I know that might not sound right. I'm, I'm very into reading the, the actual newspaper every morning. Mm -hmm. Like, I get in my sauna every morning, and I read the New York Times. Mm -hmm. I like to read, you know, I like, I like, I go to the Huffington Post, or I, you know, people send me articles all the time. I read Jason Hershorn's media breakdown, and I'll pick out an article that day. I read, I read something called The Skim. I like news coming at me, and you know, you pick the stories that you're interested in. I never watch the news, mm -hmm. and obviously that's going to end too uh, soon with Brian Williams. I mean, I can't imagine that there's going to be another new influx of great newscasters. Now it's kind of like, well, that's a wash too. Nice. So I think, you know, I think it's important to be aware of what's, I read tons of books too. You know, sometimes I, you know, when I went away, I think I came home and I hadn't read a newspaper, a local newspaper for two months. I mean, I didn't really know anything that was going on, unless it was a huge news story and somebody told me. I just like immersed myself in every book I possibly imaginable because I was like, I can finally read something without having to be distracted by having to go to work. Right. And, um, you know, I think it uses different levels of your brain, different areas of your brain. So uh, what I like about Silicon Valley is that the advantage that it gives so many people that didn't really know, you know, I talked to kids that were nine and 10 year old programmers, right. you know, they were coding. And I mean, I thought that was fascinating. And I think that that's a whole, I think it's amazing that everybody, there's an idea and you can make happen and you can have it come to fruition. I mean, specifically, what do I love at Silicon Valley? You know, I mean, the energy, the energy that you walk into these offices and people are all working on something, you know, nobody's sitting around, you know, I mean, they are playing ping pong a lot, but <laughs> they don't seem to be sitting around. You know, I think social media, you have to have, you use it as an outlet and you can't, sit right. there and look at it all day long. Right. You just can't. Right. All right, get let's some get some from questions the from the audience. Please get up. Come on. Don't, Don't be shy. shy. Up, up. There That's right, Rap. Hi, Jason Rapp. Uh, you're a really keen observer of, of people and human interactions, and you mentioned that kind of the downfalls of, of bullying online, but can you talk a little bit more about what you think are some of the best elements of social media and how we communicate and what some of the other dangers are? Well, I think the best elements are obviously anything that's going on in the world that involves people's, that needs people's attention to fix. You know, when anything's going on with, I mean, there's a million, like what happened with Boko Haram and what, I mean, unfortunately our reaction I don't think was in step with what happened, but I think, you know, alerting people that you can do something, like, you know, Kickstarter is a great example of people getting involved for something that they care about. It gives everybody an opportunity to get involved with something that they maybe wouldn't otherwise know about. And, um, you know, all, all of those people that don't have the, um, the kind of access to, you know, if you want to make a movie, an important movie, and you can't, you don't have the funding, and you don't can't, you know, it's great that you can go out and ask people to help you with that. And I think it's great for, it's so much better for people who are unknown than for people who are known, because it gives everybody a voice, you know, and I think there's a very fine line between when that can be useful and then get carried away, and people need to be respectful and cognizant of that. If you were starting out today, would you go, like you did, um, um, and become a stand-up comedian at the age of 21, or do you think you'd be on YouTube or Vine or using social media to, to get out that way? I mean, uh, I don't know. That's tough to say. I mean, I think I've, I'm always like, I like people in my face. I like that immediate response. I like to talk to people. I like to hear them. You know, it might have been easier for me to start on YouTube if I had started now and just released videos of myself. But I think there's something to be said for actually walking the walk in any environment, no matter what happens with social media, whatever your message is, you have to get out there and do it over and over and over again when it's good, when it's bad, when it's ugly, when you're getting booed, you know, in order to reap the benefits 
sense of that. You've got to be out there, you know, really taking a hit and really learning how to do. Otherwise, you don't know. How can you call yourself a comedian if you've never, you know, if you're not on stage all the time? Well, how is celebrity, though, for very famous people? You have a lot of friends who are big celebrities. How is the social media affecting how do they react to what's happening? Because they, they'll be like, so Chelsea, much. can you tweet this? I'm like, because they're like, I'm not on Twitter. I don't do any of that. Chelsea, you tweet it. I'm like, you tweet it. I don't even know this person. They're like, my friend's starting a business. Will you tweet their business is starting? Which, of course, I will. I mean, I'd like to help anybody I can. But um, no, I think most most of my really famous friends don't do it. They're just not interested. And it is, I do feel like, in a way, when you're that much of a movie star and your personal life really isn't out there, they're not me. I'm completely, you know, you, you can see, I, what you see is what you get. They're trying to live a private life. So when some of them do go on Twitter, I'm like, well, now that's over. You know, you can't really, there's right. no mystique right. left. Right. And so I can understand when, some, when a lot of them aren't on Twitter. And I don't think everybody should be on Twitter. Do you that, ever think about pulling back and, and offering less of yourself? So you live, yeah, I go through periods to... where I, you know, when I was away, I didn't do anything with social media for like three months. And I was like, oh, that's good. Um, but it is, it should be relevant if you're, if you're promoting something, you know, if you're promoting a stand-up special, if you're promoting a movie, if, I get it. You want to get as many people talking about it as possible. Um, and there are a million, now there are so many different avenues to do that. You can go and promote yourself on a talk show. You can go and, you know, tweet and do funny things, um, and marketing, there are different marketing tools. So I think it's, you know, it's useful definitely. It's just if you're the kind of person that's interested. Once you open that door, it's hard to shut it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what devices do you use? I'm just curious. What do you, do you use Apple? What do you, yeah, you know, yeah, buy the Apple, Apple Watch? Are there any other? No. <laughs> no, I use uh, Apple. My manager uses like a Samsung Galaxy or something. And he's like, everybody loves it. I'm like, you're the only one who has one that I've ever seen. <laughs> so I don't know why everybody, you think everybody loves it. Observing that. But uh, no, I use, I loved my BlackBerry. It was hard for me to part with that. But I, once you get, you know, you, human condition, you can get used to anything. Right. So I, I have my iPhone. Hey, what? genius, it's a BlackBerry Passport. Oh, oh, <laughs> worthy. What, you Mr. think Irving. I give a shit what that's called? <laughs> <laughs> it's big and it takes up half the car. So yeah. <laughs> these two are traveling. That, by the way, me. before yeah. that, whatever BlackBerry password, it was a Samsung Galaxy. Right. And right. so enough people told him to stop it's passing passport. that. Passport. A passport. It's not passport. Yeah. I see. I don't. I just don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was Irving Azoff, who's just the most. We should let him go argue off stage. Go exactly. He has four phones. We're driving down here. He's got four phones. One starts ringing in a in his briefcase or his you know purse, man purse, whatever it is. And then he's got two. I'm like, how can you even tell which phone? It wants a flip phone. He's still got a flip phone. Right. I still have a flip phone. I, oh, you do? I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, anyway, thank you, Chelsea. I'm excited you, Chelsea. to run around Silicon Valley with you and Tara. I know. We're going to come back. We'll have a good, good time. All right, great. Thank you very much.